Welcome back. Uh, I should say welcome back to the last two sessions of our summer growth series. We have this week and next week. For those of you who actually read the bulletin or looked on the website, this is going to be a two-part class this week and next week. So I really, really encourage you to um, make sure that, uh, see if you can be here next week, particularly those of you who are here this week, because we're, we're actually going to take this in two parts. So we're gonna do something a little bit different the next two weeks. Uh, this week, we're just going to strictly do some study. We're going to look at a number of things related to spiritual gifts. As the title says, spiritual gifts, talents, and skills. And what we're going to explore tonight, theoretically, and, yeah, and there'll be plenty of time for questions, is all the resources that God has put in us that are available for our use in service. So we're going to talk about that, not just spiritual gifts, because all of us have other very unique characteristics and unique experiences that God wants to use for work in the kingdom to serve others primarily. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So we'll take a little break partway through, be able to stretch and stuff. Um, I'm going to play it pretty loosely. I've done this course a number of times. Some of them have been as long as four weeks, some as short as one. So we, you know, there's a lot of flexibility in what we do. I'm going to take my cues from you. Uh, now, next week, we're going to have both uh, the, the pastoral staff who you've seen here many times on Wednesday nights, my wife Barbara and perhaps one other person, and we are going to break the group into smaller groups of probably eight to ten people. And so this is a class where you'll actually have some homework. And we're going to ask you to go away and, and do a little bit of this homework. Come prepared next week, and then we're going to spend some very, very specific time. We'll be taking volunteers. Not everybody's going to want to volunteer. But essentially, we're going to break up into groups of about 8 to 10 and walk you through sort of a profile of how your spiritual gifts, talents, and skills fit together. And if you're not already working there in, in them, uh, how, how God might use those in conjunction with one another for service. So it'll be a really excellent time. It's something we haven't had a chance to do in the past, and I'm really excited about it because there'll be seven or eight of us actually facilitating the group. So it'll be really good. And, and whoever wants to be the guinea pigs can jump right in and we'll, uh, we'll use your examples. So uh, having said that, uh, we, have, we have two ways to do this. We did put in the materials that we wanted people to take the uh, spiritual gifts evaluation. That is available online at the Cornerstone website. And it's under the title Resources. And we really, really encourage you to take that because if you don't have that next week, um, it's, it's kind of hard to get into what we're, what we're trying to do. So when you take it online, it will email you the results and you can bring those. There's also a, uh, I'm sorry, it's at the Cornerstone website and under the heading resources. So, good, thank you. As well, in your packet, in that massive paper you have there, is an Appendix D. And Appendix D is a little table 
And part of homework, I'll remind you again at the end of the class, part of homework is to take your spiritual gifts eval, maybe take the top three to five, and then also list what you believe your natural talents are or skills you have acquired. Now, I'll tell you a little bit more about it when we get towards the end of the class, but suffice to say that there is an appendix in there, and we're going to use that. So the more energy you put into being prepared next week, the better is the likelihood that we can really do something very, very practical, the likes of which, it, you know, let's, let's face it, go to a life coach or, you know, a mentor or something like that. They'll charge you hundreds of dollars, but... You know, here you get it free. So next week, come prepared anyway. Questions on that? Everybody clear? Two-week class? Homework? Come next week excited with your stuff? Good. All right. How many of you have, let's say in about the last two years, been part of Cornerstone's Connection class? Raise your hands. Come on. Let me see. Okay, good. How many of you have taken the spiritual gifts class either here or elsewhere? Okay. So we got a lot of you. We got a lot of you. Okay. So what we're going to do tonight then, we're going to move pretty quickly through sort of the theoretical underpinnings. I'll show you the scriptures, but I'm just going to go through them. I encourage you, if you have a question though, make sure to raise your hand. So we start from a certain place though. We start from a certain place, and that is that in the community of the church, we are, the expectation is, that we live in a, in a counter-cultural way. A counter-cultural way. The church as God intended it is a counter-culture organization, community. And there is, you know, it's, I'm sure it was true in Jesus' day, but it's really true today. And since we live today, not 2,000 years ago, we're going we're gonna to take a look at that. So we have a cultural setting. So what are the characteristics of popular culture? Now I'm going to generalize, so give me a little slack. Popular culture is involved around the self, isn't it? Individualism. And now in the information age, everything is knowable. I'm amazed in the last five years, the proliferation of the pursuit of knowledge. Knowledge being information you can get. Not knowledge in the traditional sense of knowing about something and understanding it, but knowledge being equated with information. And they're two very different things. But what the information age has brought us is it permeates our culture and it makes us believe that everything is knowable. Any information we want to get, we can get our hands on. And once we get information, then we have knowledge. Well, that's not really true. It's, it's never been true in the history of mankind, and it's no, it's no more true today. But we, we live in that pool, we swim in it, and that's what happens. Okay, another thing, am I, uh, you recognizing these, I know, right? Instant gratification. That's really big. Really big. You're on your browser, and it, it takes 10 seconds to bring up a website. <laughs> Come on, what's the matter with this computer? I need the latest phone. I can't, I can't get the web in instantaneously. What's wrong with the signal here? Man, this 3G's awful, AT&T, you know, golly. Instant gratification. Look at, you know, I, I'm a sports fan, so I'm a big fan of ESPN. 
Now, those of you who aren't, indulge me, please. But if you ever have watched ESPN, and actually there's a lot of shows like it, you will see that what they do in the intro is they do these amazingly quick edits and cuts. And the idea is to stimulate you. It's the same with a lot of things that we do online. We've turned into a, a nation of browsers, literally. Let me just browse and get a snippet of information. Okay, now let me go to the next thing, get another little piece of that. It's a form of instant gratification. It's a form of not being able to apply ourselves. And I'm amazed, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to condemn culture or anyone in particular, but I'm amazed. I'll talk about a book I read, and people go, oh, you still read? <laughs> yeah, you know, you, you get a book, you can take it anywhere with you, even those private places, and kind of read it, you know? Magazines? What? You want to do something in depth, you still have to read, folks. Or even sit, and if it's a documentary, sit and actually sit through the whole thing. Or sit and listen to someone at some length. These are becoming lost arts in our culture. So the reason I say them is because they affect us. When we come to church and when we're talking about spiritual gifts and other kinds of things, this is the environment we're coming out of. So let's take on the contrary now. Christian culture, which is God-centered, not self-centered. Life isn't linear. It's not always predictable, and it's certainly not controllable. We need God in such an environment. Outcomes and results are rarely instantaneous. I am not the man that I was when I was in my 20s, thank God, or I wouldn't be here. Many of us aren't. We have starts and stops and, and failures and, and small victories, but it's rarely instantaneous. Rarely instantaneous. And see, you see the, the, the clash between the two cultures? The external culture and, and the culture of the community of the church, where instant gratification versus gotta wait, gotta, gotta wait and see how it plays out. Third, community, living with and serving others. Living with and serving others. Questions or thoughts on that, anybody? That's our, that's our sort of kickoff. This is the, the environment that, that we're, we're talking about. Okay, how many of you have ever heard of the man named Albert Schweitzer? Ooh, a few hands, good job. Okay, well, Albert Schweitzer was a, kind of a pioneer. He was a Christian and someone in midlife decided to go back and get a medical degree. But he had this really radical idea for the time that you could serve others in God's name as a form of evangelism. Today we call it servant evangelism, we call it incarnational ministry, but this was Schweitzer's idea and he lived it out. So after Schweitzer got his medical degree, he went to equatorial Africa and served the remainder of his life as a missionary as a missionary doctor to tribal peoples in equatorial Africa. And this is what he said, reflecting on his experience. I don't know what your destiny will be, but one thing I do know, the only ones among you who will be really happy are those who have sought and found how to serve. And this was written in the 19th century, or right about the, yeah, right about the turn of the 20th century. And there was never a more true statement. 
Never a more true statement. Ultimately, self-centeredness, focus on self, is it's empty. How much more can you have? How much more can you possess? How much more fame can you gain? How much of anything? It's an empty pursuit. And what Schweitzer was telling us is, is essentially setting the context for what we're talking about here when we talk about God-given resources and what we do with them. See, if we don't have this basic understanding, we're going to take God-given resources and use them on ourselves. There are none of us here that can resist that, honestly. None of us, without God's help. So the concept is here, service to others is where we find true identity in the kingdom of God. Okay, so now we go into the basic. We'll go through these pretty quickly. Now, what does it mean, this community of God? Well, the first thing is that we have a common identity. So this is Scripture, Ephesians 2.19. I won't read it all. It is also this. You have a complete handout. So we are no longer strangers and foreigners. We're citizens of all of God's holy people. We're members of God's family. We're his house. Okay, so this talks about the fact that we have something in common. It doesn't matter where we came from, what our experiences have been, whether we're what ethnic group we belong to, what gender we are. We have a common identity in God. We have a common identity in God. Now, what are some aspects of this common identity? Well, we're all part of one family. Now, think about that for a minute. How about somebody that does you wrong, but is a, is a, is a firm believer in Jesus? You guys talked about forgiveness last week, those of you who were here, right? I mean, consider the fact that we are going to spend eternity with that person. And it's not going to be anonymity, folks. In heaven, all is known and will be knowable. And so that person that we're just going, man, I can't, you know, I, you know, I, I know I'm supposed to love this, this person, but, you know, I, I just really can't stand them. You know what? Get ready for eternity with that person. Okay? We're all part of God's family. The analogy that's used in Ephesians 2.19 is of a, of a structure, a house. Each of us is a unique stone. And I love an analogy that I heard one time. Some of us are burnt and broken stones that God takes a chisel to, reshapes, and finds a place in the wall of the house he's building to put us in. See, we think if we fall off the wall and we crack in two or a big chunk comes out of us that we're no longer used. But God is in the business of redeeming and repairing broken stones. So it doesn't matter what has happened. God can still use us. God still has a place that is uniquely fashioned in the wall for our stone. And a lot of you probably have, have seen these different historical things of walls that were built in ancient times. And have you ever seen the stonework on a lot of these? There's no, there's no, uh, uh, what's the word I'm using? Uh, Sam, help me out here. What's the stuff? Mortar, thank you. Thanks, I got Sam back there for that. Kyle, I know you didn't know the answer. Uh, <laughs> Uh, mortar. And if you notice these old pictures, there's no mortar. The stones are so 
perfectly fit together because they were carved and put in exact places with a real skill and art. Okay, that's what God's about. He's building a house for himself. Not only that, our lives are built upon those who have gone before us. I'm only here today. Many of you are only here today because you are standing on somebody's shoulders. Somebody who made a sacrifice, served you in a particular way, helped you at a critical time. And we never know when that time is. So we're built upon the work. And the house that God is building is a holy temple, says the scripture. A holy temple where his spirit will dwell with us for all eternity. How many of us really, as we go through day-to-day life, consider ourselves a sacred stone in the holy temple? How often do we see ourselves as a worthless stone just sitting around on the ground? But that's not true in God's eyes. That is not true. That's not our true identity. It is not the identity we have in common. Okay. I, put, I use this term because uh, we like to kick this one around, don't we, in our culture today? Discover your true self. Who is the real you? Go on that journey of self-discovery. Indulge yourself. Okay? Well, there is a true self in the kingdom. And it's made up of these components. First of all, each of us is a unique creation of God. We go through this in the connection class. For we are, you are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You could do a teaching alone just on that concept, on really believing that you are a masterpiece, a work of God's art, unique, individual. So we all are unique creations. You have, not only that, it'd be nice, but you're not just meant to sit on a shelf and be enjoyed as a work of art. You have a God-given purpose in life. God has given each of you special abilities, it says in 1 Peter 4. Be sure to use them to help each other, passing on to others God's many kinds of blessing. Okay? You notice it doesn't say, you've been given a God-given purpose. I made you a masterpiece. Now show off. Or go sit over there and let people look at how great you are. Use your gift and, and build yourself up. Ooh, ooh, look at, look at her. Wow, look at him, ooh. No, that's not what God's talking about here. Serving others. So we have a true self. You've been given the means to accomplish this purpose. We've been given those means. 1 Corinthians 12. And now, dear brothers and sisters, I will write about the special abilities the Holy Spirit gives to each of us, okay? And when we talk about, we're talking about spiritual gifts, but there are other special abilities that God has uniquely placed in us. We'll talk about that more as we get towards the end, okay? Are we following here? True self, right? Okay? We're unique. We have a purpose. We have the resources available. Now, guess what? If nobody serves each other, though, 
Those resources aren't available. God's not going to come down. He can, but God's not going to come down over here to Lisa, put his hand on her and say, you got it all. Boom. All done. All at once. One shot. You're good to go. No. Lisa and all of us, we're going to rub up against each other. We're going to edify one another. We're, we're intended to build up one another. These special abilities described in the Bible as spiritual gifts are the primary means. So there, there's the introduction with the tie to 1 Corinthians 12. Okay? So true self. Is that the kind of true self that our culture tells us we should look for? Nah. You're, not, you're worthless unless you look like this person. Unless you have what these people have. Unless you've attained this particular status. That's what culture tells us. And so what do we do? Oftentimes we buy into the lie. Okay, um, I'll get on the fast track. Let me see what I can do. Okay? So again, in 1 Corinthians, it goes on and it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. In other words, don't live out there in the darkness. Don't just be fumbling around. There's a, there's a whole purpose and a way to look at that. And that's why we're here these two weeks. We don't want to be ignorant about the resources that God has given us. Okay. So now, going on to spiritual gifts. We okay here? Anybody have questions? Those of you who know me, you can stop me anytime, you know. All right. Even if you think I'm on a roll. Okay, unity in the midst of diversity. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Unity in the midst of diversity. So let's look what it says. It goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 12. Now there are different kinds of gifts, but is the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but it's the same Lord we're serving. There are different ways God works in our lives, but it's the same God who does the work through us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as a means of helping the entire church. So I know many of you here. I don't have some of the gifting that Tess here has. I know it because I know her. We don't have a lot of the same gifts. What a great thing. Because when I have a particular kind of a need that I know is within her gifting, I can just go to her. I don't have to be at all. I don't have to worry about what I'm not. Or at the same time, I don't have to look at Tess or anyone else and say, oh, I want to be like them. No, I can be different. I can be unique. I can be individual, but within the context of God's body. Within the context of God's body. We're going to look at that in a, in a slightly different way, but uh, we'll go to this. Okay, so those talking about those, um, let's go back to that in a second here. Okay, so we have this unity in the midst of diversity. Now, what kinds of different things does God put? Well, he gives us spiritual gifts. We'll be talking about those. We have talents and natural abilities. Get further on tonight, we're going to talk about what those are. We also have skills we've acquired over a lifetime. And a lot of times, we, we try to be too holy. We don't think about the, the skills that we've acquired as potentially having use in the kingdom. 
I remember one of the first stories I read when I was a, had, had recently returned to the Lord was about a guy who was a buyer for Safeway. And he had a burning desire to serve God. Well, he wasn't going to go to seminary at that point. He didn't know what to do. Well, guess what? He found out about a missionary organization that needed a man to do logistics for all of the Far East. And he was the perfect guy because his job in Safeway was buying materials, assembling them, and shipping all over the, the, the network that he was responsible for. There was nothing overly holy about that. He had a particular skill that God had given him, and then he turned around with a desire to serve others, and God used that very skill in, in tremendous work. He later went to seminary and, and you know, became a sort of a multifaceted missionary, but the point was it's never, the, the, the name of the book was, it's never too late to say yes. And when this guy had a career change, he was in his mid-40s. And it worked all his life for, you know, coming up through Safeway. He was a corporate man all the way and just decided to change. And God used the very skill that he had and found a place for it. So our acquired skills are really important. But what are they for? Are they for us? No, they're for use in serving others, which we call, in, in the simple definition, we call ministry. Serving others in God's name. God's people using God's resources to meet the needs of others. That's why God gave it to us. Not for our own self-actualization. There is a form of that that is a, a more sanctified form, is finding out who we are in God and being it. Being it. Okay. Unity plus diversity gives us interdependence. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We're all parts of his one. Each of us has a different work to do. Since we're all one body, we belong to each other. Now, in the connection class, we do a funny thing. We have a, a former Pastor Marty as the body model. Now it's Sam. And they, they show all the different body parts. But that's what we are. Anyone who knows anyone who has a, some form of disability or special need knows. You know, we, we have to compensate. People have to compensate. You don't have a hand. You don't have a foot. You're missing an arm, a limb, an eye. But the way God has planned the church to fit together is each of us is a body part. So how silly is it to say, you know what? Forget you. I don't need my eyes. I'll just feel my way around through life. No, God didn't intend that. God wants eyes. Well, I'll just sit down and, and, and maybe I'll be in a... In, in a chair, and I won't roll myself around because I don't want you. You're a foot. I, you know, I don't want you. I don't like what you bring. See, and we think about these things a lot when we're with individuals, when we're with others, but when we think about it within the context of a body, we see how ridiculous it is to dismiss people just because they're different from us. But the whole point of our unity and diversity is that we are, as a community, interdependent. You following me there? We're interdependent. I can't live without Amanda. Amanda can't live without Dina. Dina can't live without Jeff. That covers the three of you guys anyway. <laughs> Just wouldn't quite fit in this time and in this place. 
Now, one of them may leave. They may go, move here or there. But there was a time of building and a time of relationship together. And that's what ends up happening. Okay, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. Each part does its own. Ephesians 4.16. Okay? Again, these are in your handout. I gave you that whole massive thing so that you can go away and take it away because there's no way we can cover it in significant depth. Okay. How do spiritual gifts fit into God's plan? Ephesians 4.12, again, a later verse. They equip God's people to do his work and build up the church. Okay. So spiritual gifts are part of the whole plan. If I'm a hand and I'm not using my hand to serve others the way I'm designed to, then others are going to be deficient. And that's a concept that it's hard in our individualistic society for us to get our minds around. I don't pull my weight, you're hurt by it. We don't think that way mostly, do we? I do my own thing. You do your own thing, Vince. Do your own thing, man. Doesn't matter. We don't have any impact on each other. <clears throat> Wrong. Not in God's kingdom. In God's kingdom, what we do does have an impact. What purpose do they serve? Two primary. To build up God's people. Does it say build up ourselves? Actually, we are built up as we build up others. That's the paradox. That's the countercultural value. Serve others, and in so doing, you will grow. You will develop. What does society tell us? Serve yourself, man. That's how you build up. Forget about that person over there. Let them get their own. To equip God's people for the work of ministry. So there's a lot of ways to strengthen. Strengthen through prayer. You can strengthen through help. You can strengthen through hospitality. We'll go into a, a little look. But remember these two, to build up and to equip, because we'll get back to these categories as we go. How are we doing out there? Everybody okay? Everybody still, still alive and going? All right. I'm watching you, so I can tell if you're starting to doze off. I'll start yelling or something. Okay, how do we define a spiritual gift? All right, now here's the big one. We love this in the connection class, and uh, sometimes we have the underlying stuff, but you have the whole thing. A supernatural gift or ability given to a person by Christ through the Holy Spirit to be evidenced, utilized, in his or her ministry for the building up and maturing of God's people. So there it is. Pretty much speaks for itself. All the things that we talked about, there's a, there's a supernatural component that is only through God and the Holy Spirit. It's to be used in ministry, which is service to others. Why? To build up and mature God's people. Does it say anything about you or me in there? No. And that's purpose on purpose. Okay. Now, that's all the theory stuff. Anybody have any, any questions so far that you want to ask about that? Yes. I wouldn't say non-believers have spiritual gifts because they are imparted by the Holy Spirit, but non-believers certainly have gifting, as we define it, whether we call that a natural ability or talents and skills that they can put to good use. And, and people can, in many sense, have, have a real, you know, what we might think is of a gifting. Again, we distinguish by the impartation of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus working through the Holy Spirit, 
But, you know, yeah, you see tremendous works being done by people using exactly, incidentally, what, what God has given them, experiences and, and, and natural talents. So uh, many times it can look indistinguishable. And I think that's more a challenge to us as, as followers of Jesus to really, really bring the distinctive because you could look around. Somebody could say, well, there are a lot of people who do good. I'm a good person. I do good. I, I went to Haiti and served there, you know, or, you know, there could be all kinds of different things. Yes? No, no, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a numbers thing. When we, we get to another part here, I'm going to show you uh, the results of my eval, and, and you'll see, and we'll talk about just sort of how that all sorts itself out. So we'll, we'll sort of come back to that on one level. Other questions? Good questions. Anybody else? Am I moving too quickly here? Are we doing okay? I actually didn't drink any coffee this afternoon. I'm just naturally like this. All right. Yes. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Come and talk to me at the break. We'll talk about the, the, the definition that's in there and, and somewhat how it manifests itself. We can talk about that a little bit more. Okay. All right. God's process and our giftedness. Now, gift, what do we normally think of? Free. Do what I want with it. As soon as I ask for it. Maybe not as soon as I ask for it, okay? Ah, but guess what? We were talking about this term. Before God will fully release us in our giftedness, we must, ooh, there's that S word, submit ourselves to his processing. Some examples of God's process items, now that's kind of a scientific word. It's, it's, a, it's a reference to a, a man that I've been significantly, me and others, uh, J. Robert Clinton, and he calls them process items. But one of them is service, just plain old service. You want to be known for your gifting and your talents? One of the first things God wants to know is, are you willing just to get outside of yourself? One of the reasons we have urban ministry at this church is that it gives people who perhaps haven't served or done anything outside of themselves a chance to just even just it's once a month for a few hours step outside themselves and do something for somebody else. You would not believe the number of people that come through the door of the church who have never done anything for anybody except themselves. So one of the first ways that God processes us, particularly if we're going to be released into gifting and all the things he's given, is he just wants to know, will we, are we willing to serve? Very simple. Are we willing to serve? Ooh, we don't like that word. Should we just skip over that? <laughs> Obedience. Are we willing to obey God? Now, does God speak to us exactly directly? Yes, sometimes. God can speak to us through his words, through a prayer. He can speak to us through a brother or sister if we're in community. God can use other people to bring a word to us. He can speak through the scriptures, okay, through circumstances. But there's a lot of ways. 
And anybody who has a parent, and that means everybody, understands how obedience and the need to do it gets communicated. Some of us, our parents were better or worse at it than others, but, you know, I'm a parent and I know I have expectations about obedience from my children. And it's not because I say so. But there is obedience. If we are unwilling to obey, how can God trust us to do something that is critical or important if he doesn't know if we're really going to obey when push comes to shove? Now, that, you know, that's not all that deep a point, is it? You got a job at work. You're going to trust somebody that really doesn't follow the rules or is pretty flaky? You're going to give them the important assignment? Are you? No, you're not going to do that, are you? So why should God be any different? That's the practical side, see? We don't like to think about it that way, but that's how it is. Okay, oh, there's another one. <laughs> Boy, we hit them all, didn't we? Submission, obedience, discipline. Discipline. Both self-discipline and discipline that others require of us. Are you willing to be disciplined? I'm going to allow you to serve this group of people. Are you going to be disciplined to be there, to be faithful, to show up when you're supposed to be there? Ah, you know what? It's just ministry in the church. You know, what's the big deal? I'll just show up when I get here. No, we're counting on you to be here at X time. So how about if, if we just decided, Sam just decided one Wednesday to say, you know what, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's, who cares? I'll just show up when I show up. You know, if the machines are set up and, you know, there's coffee or, you know, lights are on or anything, I mean, yeah, I don't, we'll just play it by ear. How would that feel to you? Would you feel welcomed? Would you feel like somebody really cared? Discipline and discernment. Discernment. Can you tell the difference between good and bad, between right and wrong, between choices that are perhaps helpful or not so helpful? Can you discern? Can you tell if somebody's just telling you something just to tell you that saying it's from God, or is it really, does it really square with God's word in the scriptures? Discernment. I hear from Sky over here, he comes up and talks to me, he says something to me. Well, you know, is, is that him talking? And, you know, he may have some great experience in this area, but, you know, am I willing to test or do I just want to consume? You know, do I just want to consume or am I willing to stop, take the sniff test, look it over, and try to be discerning? Okay. And I'll tell you what, in the information age, the, the amount, the volume of stuff we consume without even really thinking about it is staggering. And it's never more true what Mark Twain said. He says, you know, a, a lie has gone around the world twice while the truth is still getting out of bed. <laughs> and all you have to think about is the age we live in today to know that this is true. Any story can get circulated. Well, I saw it on the internet. Must be true. Discernment. Just even worldly discernment is really a critical, a critical thing to have nowadays. Discernment. Okay. 
So there is a process. There is a process that God wants to take us through. It's not just a matter of getting the gift, having the talent. A lot of people have talent. And we do believe that everyone who is a follower of Jesus is given, is unique and given some gift, gifts. We all have a lot of different skills. How do they get activated for use in the kingdom? Okay. So going back to that other point then, we have these. This also is in your handout. It is, uh, it's one of the appendices. Where is it? B, thank you. It's in there. No stone unturned. Okay, so there you go. Categories of spiritual gifts. Now, the reason I put these up is that when we start getting into this next week, you'll want to you'll look at these after you do your evaluation or if you brought it and you want to take a look at it again. These are three basic categories, believe me, we're not trying to be scientific here and break them down exactly, but we have things that involve supporting others, things that involve equipping others, that is preparing them and helping them to do the work, and then we have things that we call prayer and worship that are involved in prayer and worship and are more, if you will, ethereal. They're not quite as concrete a lot of times. So this is a... By the way, when we all the gifting stuff that's in the handout and that you see up here are uh, have the gifts that we that we look at in uh, in the spiritual gifts evaluation. There's some different. Some of you may have seen different ones. Some things are called different things. Some texts or books look at them a little bit differently. But these are the ones so that we have consistency uh, consistency throughout. So these are the ones that you will find uh, in the uh, in the cornerstone spiritual gifts. Uh, assessment or evaluation okay so those are just categories again I'm not going to spend a lot of time there they'll make a lot more sense when you start looking at which category you fall into and one of the things I can say uh, um, we'll look at this next week when we're sitting with you a lot of times we will we will group up in one category or another which can tell us a lot about the kind of person we are and the kinds of perhaps roles now, mind you, I didn't say positions. What kind of roles we will have in the church. And there's a lot of people, for instance, who have gifting in the supporting gifts. And that's the kind of person they're going to be. Now, some of you here I know, and I know from having interacted with you, that you have tremendous supporting gifts. I know some people in here that have those. And that's the role that they play. They're always there. They're around. They're helpful. They invite you, sometimes they, you know, they may be people invite you to their home. And when you go to their home, you feel just blessed. Just literally walking in the door. It isn't the cuisine or it isn't the, you know, the, the fancy, you know, flatware or, you know, something. It's a sense that you get when you are in their presence in their home. Or when they come and they say, you know what, um, I heard you're doing this thing. Can I come and help you? Do you need some help? And you say, yes, absolutely. I need you. Would you be willing to do this? And they just say, yes, I, you know, I'd be happy to do that. You know? and, and you know, Sam will tell you, because Sam is involved so much in the logistics of putting on so many of our events, people who have those supporting gifts, are, they are a tremendous blessing. Because you can't do it all. Uh, let me start over here first. Yes? Uh, certain gifts, though, you know, you just say I go to a church and they say, you know, that gift's not in operation no more. 
you know, you're that, you know, there's that gift prophecy. No, prophecy is not happening. There's no one just has that gift. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear that, right? Yeah, well, you do. I'm going to touch on that, actually. So, yeah, I'm going to touch on, well, uh, an aspect of that. Yes. Yeah, I would say that you can pray, pray to have them because they are given by impartation. They can be developed once you have them, but we can certainly pray. And um, I can't think right off the top of my head. I'll look it up on break. There is a scripture to talk about that where you can desire, actually pursue certain kinds of gifts as that is what God has truly put in your heart. We're not locked into anything um, in that regard if, if we truly have a desire. And God may, if it is within his will, grant a gift like that. But I, I don't, I'm, not of this, I'm not of the opinion or of the school that says you can just pick one you want and go after it and, you know, like a diploma or something, get, a, you know, get the spiritual gift of this or that. There, you know, the, the power of the Holy Spirit is involved. Were you going to say something, Pastor Skip? No? Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay, I'll look it up on break. I'll, I'll give it to you. Okay. All right, so um, categories. Now, uh, let's, let's, take a, uh, let's take about a 10-minute break, and then we're going to come back because we're going to touch on uh, one, of, one, of the, one of the points that you just raised when we start talking about problems with spiritual gifts. Okay? All right. Potential problems, disagreement, eh? disagreement, different denominations, churches, individuals, they might disagree on how you define the gifts, they might disagree as to whether actual those gifts are manifest anymore, which is what you were referring to earlier, oh those gifts, those were only back in the day of Jesus and the apostles, they don't exist anymore. Okay, bless you. I don't believe that, but you know what? Does it make any difference, really? No. Okay, disagreement. So there's going to be disagreement. We may encounter it. Should we get in a big argument and a big doctrinal fight over it? Now, wouldn't it be better just to express the gift if you think you have it? Humbly? Neglect. It's not one we normally think of, but it's there. I've seen it. You have a gift. You know you have it. You don't use it. And you don't use it because you're afraid. You don't know how to use it, and you may be unsure about asking. For those of us who do equipping ministries, we have a responsibility to make sure that people, to the best we can, don't neglect their gifting. So in a sense, you could say a class like this, part of it is to make sure that people don't neglect out of ignorance. And I don't mean negative ignorance. I mean just not knowing or not being able to ask about. So neglect is another problem that can happen. We can have a gift and never use it. Now, some people have asked before, if I don't use it, will it be taken away? I don't know, I'm not the Holy Spirit, so I can't say. Confusion. 
There's always a lot of confusion. Supernatural and the natural. Where are the lines drawn? I think I have a natural talent. Is that a gift? I've, I've spent my life doing certain kinds of things. Is that a skill? Is it, is it part of my gifting? Um, you know, I'm not quite sure. I'll talk about some anecdotes. Anecdotes. Antidotes. Thank you. Uh, about that a little bit. Abuse. Some places, some people believe that certain gifts are absolutely necessary to do the work of God. And if you don't manifest those gifts, you're not really doing the work of God. Okay? It's a form of spiritual pride, and it can be very divisive. Well, you can't do prayer ministry unless you speak in tongues. <laughs> what are you laughing about? <laughs> and if I don't see you speaking in tongues, then that's not really a God-ordained prayer ministry. Okay? Abuse. Now, the next one is very close to that, and that's imposition. Now, imposition says, I tell you what you're supposed to have. Abuse is, I tell you how it's supposed to manifest. Imposition means, I tend to impose my spiritual gift upon you. What? You are a leader, and you don't have the gift of discernment? Or you're in prayer ministry, and it looks this way, like we just said? Okay, imposition. And this, when we begin to learn about, becomes a really big issue. Oh, you know what? That church down the street, you talk about disorder. They actually let their people stand up during worship. People can just wander around anywhere they want. They can raise their hands, jump up and down, do whatever they want. Man, that's just disorder. That's not worship. Worship should be orderly. If people stand, it's only when asked. Okay? Or we don't like the idea that worship has some people shouting or clapping their hands or maybe even spontaneously dropping to the ground on their knees. What is that? That's not worship. You see what I'm saying? Imposition. And it's part of the reason why we have so many churches with so many different ways of doing things because at some point, in many, in many cases, at some point, the people who wanted it different or felt a different moving of the Spirit within the gifting got pushed out. So imposition, yes. Right. Since, you know, so the, the ones that are worshiping on the floor saying, if you have led worship, that's wrong. That's also just for them. That's right. Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Okay. Remember what we talked about diversity? There are, there's, a, there's a multitude of people and ways that God chooses to manifest himself. And so imposition on either side inhibits that because it says it's got to be this way, or my way is the only way, or your way is not anointed. 
So these are some of the kinds of problems. Are we clear on that? Yeah? Okay. Now some principles covering the use of spiritual gifts are governing. Disagreements are usually caused by a, con a lack of conclusive biblical evidence. Now you can look in all the places, number of them are referenced there in your handout. We can probably disagree on some of those, what the Bible actually means when it says this. So a lot of times our disagreements are based on that. One or the other of us wants to believe that we have the absolute biblical truth and perspective on this particular gifting, and then we try to enforce that on others. So try as much as possible to avoid disagreements. What is the power and the impact of the gift? If we can try to focus on that, then we're on our way to accepting some degree of diversity. Do we really see the gift working in power? Do we see change? Do we see an impact? Then let's, let's let our disagreements about specifics sit by the wayside. God works in a variety of ways. Begin slowly. Don't be in a hurry. Now, this is really countercultural. We're always in a hurry. Got my gifts. What do I do now? <laughs> I did that class. I got my whole list down now. Come on. What's next? Start slowly. Start working. Just work in something. And a lot of times, you know, again, spirit of the age, man, I have got to have pinpointed the exact role and position that absolutely meets my gifting. I don't have that, man. I, I want it. Come on, God, give me the exact spot. Where exactly am I supposed to be? Uh, exactly just working your way along, actually. Start slowly. Observe. Get your feet wet. Don't be worried about making some mistakes. Okay, don't worry unnecessarily about the distinctions between gifts, abilities, and skills. God gave it to you. Are we not creations of God? All of us. So if he gave you an ability, maybe we don't know if it's a talent or a gift or, you know, we're not quite sure. So what? Use it. Use it. You like having people over your home? You like entertaining people? Do you think it really matters if somebody comes over and feels great whether you have the gift of hospitality or you just like entertaining people? See what I'm saying? What, is, what, what does that distinction do for us? Nothing. Feels the same. It's good. Maybe it is a gifting. Maybe that develops. Maybe it's a different kind of thing. All right. Yes? That's correct. Okay? Right? Yeah. Over time, you will distinguish. Yeah. You will distinguish over time. Okay, this was what we talked about with kind of abuse and imposition. Beware of stressing one type of gift or ministry over another. Well, how come your church doesn't go out and, and have more mercy and compassion ministry going out, uh, you know, south of market and feeding people? You know, I got that gift. Church doesn't do it. You know, I don't know this is a place for me because the church doesn't do it. Well, is anybody stopping you from doing it? I think city team's there. There's plenty of ministries that do it. 
There's plenty of places you can worship as your home and still partake of that. Okay? But so often we get in a place where we say, if they're not doing it, this isn't the place for me because that's not a focus for them. I need to be a place where they focus on what I do. How many times did I say the word I? Many. That's correct. Okay? This is a big one. Encourage the use of gifts in the church, but discourage their use as a sign of spirituality. That's a big one. Man, you know, Tess over here, before she falls asleep, she's, you know, she is so gifted. You know, she is such a spiritual woman. I'm not picking on you, I promise. She is so spiritual because she has this, this, and this. Okay? Pedestal. Pedestal. The Lord came not to, not to be served, but to serve. We want to use our gifts. They're not about how spiritual we are, how great we are in the kingdom, because each of us is responsible for what God has given us. That's all. Not beyond that. It's not some big sign. Not anything like that. Yes, question? Or are you just holding up your pen? Okay. All right. Questions on that? How are we doing? Everybody hanging in? Okay. Oh, this is not the... You know what? I don't have a very good slide of this. This is the one I just did uh, this morning. This is mine. It's not on here? No. Oh, okay. So this one you're going to... You know, I, I didn't want to put a lot of <laughs> emphasis on it. I just wanted to give you an idea. Wow. Now, yeah, I don't even want to go into how I'm a numbers guy because I have median and standard deviation and stuff that I did with it to kind of, kind of pick. But suffice to say, here's a couple of things when you take the, the uh, spiritual gifts evaluation. Don't worry what the score is, because a lot of it has to do with how familiar you are with how to respond to the questions. So if you've been around a long time, if you're an old guy like me, and you've taken these all kinds of times, then you have a pretty good idea what the question is asking you when it asks, okay? So you can, you can usually respond far more accurately. What, what is important for all of us here is look at your scores relative to one another, not by absolute value, okay? So I have a 16, which is the highest number you can get on, on the thing, which means that's, you know, top, top gifting, okay? But you know what? If your top number is eight, that's fine. What are the rest of them? Because they're going to be relative to one another. So don't worry about to say, well, I got all eights. Man, I must be worthless. No. It's just the way the, the evaluation works. You know, you sort of get used to how, to how to score. So look at your top. That's what we're going to focus on next week. Your top three to five. And, and if you're just starting out and you're not familiar, I'd say just take your top three. Don't get overly complicated with it, but just take your top three. So those are mine, leadership, admin, wisdom, discernment. And basically, I put the line at 12 because based on my calculation and just looking at it, those are the, those are the only ones that are going to really matter you know, materially in terms of what kind of ministry I do. 
So that's how I look at them. When you get your, when you get your eval from the website, it'll send you an email. They will also be in uh, top to bottom order. So you'll see them already that way. So you can immediately pick which are the top ones. Okay? Yeah. See, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> right. That's just exactly what I said. Uh, leadership is the top, administration second, and wisdom the third. Uh, the leadership is 16. The next two are 15. The next three are 14s. So there's very little variation between them in terms of the numbers. So they're going to be interchangeable, and they're going to be more contextual in terms of how they get expressed. So no. Okay, so you say seven? Yeah. Okay, seven is less than 50% of the top value. So would you say that's a very big gifting in me? No. Exactly. No. That's all we need to say. Okay? The number doesn't really matter other than relative to the others. Now, what about the, the gift of cleaning the toilet? Gift of cleaning the toilet, yeah. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. What is that Yeah, right. Okay. Or helps, yeah, servant, service or helps, right. Okay. Now, the fact is, if you're doing, you know, we, we all know this. Again, this is how these things get skewed. You know, we're, and, and um, how do I say this? Let me just put it as the best way I can. The brothers here know how I'm, how I'm doing this. It's not a, a self-serving. We're here every Wednesday night together. So we are serving. But we're talking here about the gift of service, which is different from the act of serving. Okay. So I'm not, I'm not overly strong on the gift of service, but I have a discipline and a practice of service, as do the other brothers and all the people that come and serve you every weekend through all the different ministries that are out there, right? Some of those people have gift of service, and for some, service is part discipline, part gifting, part of how it goes, okay? So remember when I went back, when I started at the beginning, I talked about the different value basis that drove this so you don't have to have the gift of service to serve others or to serve in the church okay because the fact is anything you do in the lord's name in the church is going to involve serving people and service but when you look at the definitions and i think they're in appendix a you'll see that the gift of service has a, a certain tone to it, a certain thing that it has. So in terms of gift of service, I, that's not one of my absolute strongest. Though, again, like many, service is, is, a, is a way of living a, a discipline that we develop over time. Okay? And let me put it this way, too. Without serving others, you will not be released, as I said earlier on tonight, in your gifting. If God doesn't see that service, remember the, the points that we had? Where were those? That was back. I'm not going to jump back to that slide because it'll get dizzy with it. But um, it was one of the one of the one of the uh, process items. Remember, service. Okay, so that's in there. Did somebody else have their hand up? Yes. Uh huh. Right. Well, some, sometimes you do. Some people I know that are wonderful leaders don't teach at all. Okay? Administrators. Huh? Administrators, 
Yeah, but we'll, I'll talk about that. Let me go to the end because I, want you to, I wanted you to see them because it's going to set the groundwork for what we're going to look at next because I'm going to give you a sample profile. And rather than embarrassing one of you by bringing you up here, I'm using mine. But don't take it as a, please don't take it as a sign of pridefulness or anything like that. I'm just uh, letting me, let me, okay. So there you have them, right? Everybody, everybody's good with that? Okay, so let's go back over here for a minute because we're building towards the, the final thing. So we have natural abilities. What are they? Abilities, capabilities, aptitudes unique to an individual that are inherited or hardwired into a person at birth. Okay? Everything else is a skill that you got along the way. But we're talking about something that is just a natural to you or me. And I'll give you some examples of this out of, out of myself so that we put some practicality on it. Okay? So we categorize them. Some are action-based. Such as being able to learn music by ear or having sight memory. You can learn that by birth? You, some people just have that. They're just naturally born with it. They have an ear for music. Now, I've never played an instrument. I have an ear for music. I can repeat you tunes upon hearing them. I've never played an instrument. But I, have, I, but I love music. See, so for me, that's something that's inherent. I've never used it. I don't have any musical gifting. I'm not a worship guy or you know, anything like that. But I love music. God's given me the ability to to love and appreciate music. Or having sight memory. Again, that's the kind of thing. My wife and I always laugh about this. I have, I have acute visual memory. So when I'm on a computer, I know already when I'm getting, when the screen is now rewriting itself, I'm already moving my mouse to exactly where I need to go for the next step. So I'm, I'm very intuitive about that. I never forget where I am. I have great sense of direction. And, you know, so I have tremendous sight memory myself personally. I can see things and remember them. Now, I might not remember your name, but I'll never forget a face. That's a weird thing about sight memory, okay? I recognize things. Some of us have that. That's a hard wire to birth. Okay, having an innate sensitivity to things that pass through one of the six senses. We all know what those are, okay? Having an acute sensitivity, that's a natural ability. Having an awareness not based on logic or mental reasoning. Just have a sense of things, an ability to just sense certain things. You see how this would work with a gifting of like discernment? You just naturally can do stuff. Now there is a difference because this is, this is a, a native, knowing something that's beyond memory or normal thinking. So that's a natural ability. You didn't really have to learn it. You just sort of just started it and you got it. Okay, acquired skills. Abilities or capabilities an individual has developed over time through the experiences of life. Okay, action-based. Learning a trade, a craft, proficient in some form of physical activity, usually sport, developing other hybrid skills such as public speaking, cooking, organization, things like that. Intangible, learning how to be a good listener. Developing analytical skills, developing disciplines of mental emotional processes, okay? I can tell you one acquired skill that I learned. Um, uh, my father was an alcoholic, and he was a, a, a violent man when he drank. And very early on, I developed a kind of a radar, if you will, to read body language. And to this day, I am really impacted by people's body language. So when I stand up here and teach, I'm watching you. I'm not looking at you analytically. I just have it sort of naturally built into me an acquired skill of watching how you're sitting, watching the expression on your faces, 
Okay, that's just something that, that I've acquired over time. I can see people's body language. I'm, I'm impacted by it. They may not say anything. Now, I didn't start out to have that. That's not a natural talent. It's something that I developed as a defense mechanism when I was a young boy. Because I, you know, unfortunately, my, you know, God bless him, we were reconciled when he, when he went to be with the Lord. But, you know, I, for a lot of years, I was the target. And I had to learn how to defend myself. So I developed and I acquired a skill of learning how to read body language, of watching him to see when he was getting ready to explode and either get out of there or try to get out of harm's way. So that's, that, you know, that's a, a real graphic example of an acquired skill that is intangible. You know, you, you, don't, you don't have a way to figure it. There's plenty others, okay? Learning how to be a good listener. How many of us love a good listener? Okay, we love it. They just, they're just listening. They're not trying to butt in all the time. You know, they're just listening to you. My wife is a tremendous listener. Okay. Hopefully this doesn't go on the thing and some people tell me. One time somebody told me, you know, you're just gushing about your wife. I thought it was over the top. And I'm like, oh, okay, well. Okay, giftedness profile. Okay, so we have natural abilities. We have spiritual gifts. We have acquired skills. What are they for? Ministry. Okay. Now, they're, they're, they're purposely done this way. They're in your thing there. They're purposely done this way because I wanted you to see the different shapes, but to also understand that they overlap. And, and this is, a, again, a theoretical diagram. So if you're not a diagram person, okay, see you later. But the idea is to show that they, they interact with one another. They don't just stand alone and get used one at a time. And, and we're going to an example right now that will show you that. Is this not in the handout anywhere? No. Oh, I'm sorry. Can you believe it? Okay. I can't believe this isn't in there. Okay, well, anyway. You got that one, Tess? I'll give it to you later. Okay, so here's a sample profile. Now, this is me, so, uh, okay, so here we have our natural abilities. What are they? Okay, public speaking. I'm way more analytical than relational. Anybody who knows me well knows that. I'm very organized, perceptive, intuitive. That's the kind of person I am. Myers-Briggs, I'm an intuitive. I'm an INTP in Myers-Briggs, in case you want to know about that. So those are natural abilities that I have. I've always been a ham. I've never been afraid to get up in front of people. When I was a little kid, I was the kind of get up in front of people and do something, whatever it was, you know. So, um, yeah, more analytical in terms of how I see things. And we'll, we'll see that in a minute as far as gifting. Okay, what are gifts? These are right off that sheet. Leadership, administration, wisdom. Okay. Now, the reason I wanted to bring this up is administration, just to give you a, a, a point of this. Administration, what do you think of? Paperwork. Office. Office. Pushing stuff, right? I hate it. I hate it. So in me, the gift of administration is expressed in my ability to see how things fit together and work together. And they're tied absolutely to the fact that I'm very analytical. 
So I can look at things and immediately, fairly quickly, and it wouldn't surprise you to know that aside from being on staff part-time, I am, am full-time a consultant, a financial consultant. And so my job is to go to places where I don't know anything about what's happening and fairly quickly, or you know, you're not going to make any money otherwise, determine what needs to happen or what is going on. So my gift of administration expresses itself in seeing how things either should fit together or where they're supposed to fit. So I'm real good on structures, how to develop a plan to get something done, but I am not the detail guy. I am not the person who you would sit there and say, please implement all 20 steps of the plan because it'll never get done. I'm just not that way. I see on a, on a much broader level. So that's a different form. Now, some of you may have the gift of administration, and it may be exactly, you know, at a, at a very detailed level, putting things together, being responsible for how things are done or accomplished. Okay? See, they're different. It's still the same gift, but it can manifest itself in very, very different ways. Okay, leadership and, and wisdom... Okay, we'll see the next one there. Discernment, teaching, and knowledge. Okay, so for me, you come in here most Sundays of the year, you hear Pastor Terry speak. Pastor Terry has a very pure teaching gift. He can just teach. He has a tremendous teaching gift. I don't have it. If, I, if my teaching is not tied to my other gifting, it will not be effective. So my teaching has to have some structure. It has to involve these other giftings that are near the top, or I'm not going to be effective. And part of learning to do that is to learn how do I unleash or bring in the other gifting so that they're part of what I'm doing, what I'm teaching. And the reason I know this is because when my wife and I were, were a number of years back, were missionaries, we were founding pastors. We planted a church here in San Francisco. I had to teach every week, and it, it about killed me. I hated it, you know, and I love to teach. You can tell I get up here. I love to do this. But when I was doing it every single week, having to come up with a whole stream of stuff, and it, it didn't involve, per se, the gifting that I, the other gifting I had, man, I was just dying on the vine, you know. And I couldn't wait for us to raise up somebody who had just a real true preaching gift to, to just start, start teaching on the weekends, you know, on Sundays. So that's the difference, see? So the gifts express themselves. Don't get tied into, when you start looking at your gifting, don't get tied into roles or positions. Well, if I have the gift of administration, that must mean I need to work in the church office. No, not necessarily. Maybe you would be good at organizing events and seeing how things are supposed to fit together, okay? There's a lot of different ways that we can serve. A lot of different ways and expressions of the gift. Are we clear on that? Are you guys getting, getting what I'm saying there? Okay, so the faith, exhortation, prophecy, I just put those in there. Okay, so now we have acquired skills. Okay, speaking and presentation to groups of varying sizes. All right, so that goes with the teaching gift, but again, has to have the other component, right? Because we all know you can have a gift, but if you don't have some skills, and how many of you have been in a business meeting or a conference or something where the person just you snored you to death you know it was just right just in terms of certain skills it just didn't okay so there has to be there have to be some skill involved 
in, in various things we do. You know, we do, we do parking and traffic. Well, one skill is you need to be able to look people in the eye. Here they come in their car, maybe their windows roll down just a crack, you know, and they're in a hurry, rushing through traffic to get to church, and you need to look them in the eye. Good morning, how are you? I need you to park here or need you to do this, okay? There's a, that's, a, that's a skill that, we, that sometimes we have to teach people. People who are greeting up here, look people in the eye. How, how about it? You, you walk in, Lisa, and I'm, hi, good morning. I don't even look at you. <laughs> hi, good morning. Okay, how does it feel? Instead of saying, good morning, welcome to Cornerstone, all right? Look them in the eye. Look at people, engage them, all right? Okay, analytic experience, organizational experience, listening, observation, and positional leadership. So I've had a lot of different kinds of leadership positions over time. So when I'm doing something in ministry anymore, it's likely going to come out of this profile. But again, it doesn't define a role. It isn't defined by a role, okay? So when I was asked by, by leadership to take over parking and traffic, you could say, well, look at that profile. Where, you know, what does that have to do with parking cars and directing traffic? Okay? You see what I'm saying? And again, I'm not, uh, you know, please hear me. I'm just talking about the kind of challenges that we face. Okay? But as it turns out, leadership is needed. People need to be cared for. Cars... Don't just drive themselves. Traffic, if left alone, is crazy. So there are all kinds of logistic things and little ways of doing things that, that actually use the gifting that I have. Okay? And the same is true. That's why I say don't get stuck on a position. Because then the next thing you know, God puts you in a place, you go, no, no, I don't do that. I don't do that. And God says, you don't? Maybe there's something you're not looking at here. And so that's the challenge for us. The cha that's the challenge for us. Okay, questions? Any, anything else? I think we work through... Uh, look at that. We work through that. Okay, so open, uh, open floor. Any other, any other questions, thoughts on the stuff I was sharing there? Yes, absolutely. I believe so, yes. Because you know what? You're going to... It's just what I'm saying. You know, you, you, don't, um, you don't come right out of the box having it all together. You know, there's, there's a process of development. There's some painful process, you know, um, that, that can happen. I'm saying that there's a process that can at times be painful of exercising, learning how to exercise your gift. You know, so the grace, the whole concept again. And if we're motivated by self-motivation, self-interest, we're going to run out of energy pretty quickly when it comes to expressing our giftedness because we're going to, we're going to, we're not going to, it's not going to be all victories. I'm not going to lie to you. I mean, you're, you know, we're going to, we're going to have some failures in using our gifting. We're going to have some. We're going to do some crashing and burning, and that's okay. 